face life with its challenges, to face situations with all its ups and downs, to face the world of pairs of opposites. If you are not able to do it, then get into the world, let the world kick you left and right. And when the, the ego is gone, your likes and dislikes will also go away. Therefore, Bhagwan Shankaracharya, in his commentary of the Bhagavad Gita, and he writes that why there's a necessity for this commentary. Because even at that time, like now, this magnificent philosophy, and the word philosophy is not really the right word, but that's the best word we have in English. That which Sri Krishna had given to Arjuna had fascinated the intellects of maximum amount of people, the intelligence of that time, not only in the country, but even abroad in various countries. And therefore, there were many interpretations, etc. These many, many different interpretations. And then very often people will just hear. And this is what happens in religion also. People say, oh, this scripture says like that. People don't read their own scriptures. People don't understand their own scriptures. And then the priests and those politicians who want to hoodwink the people from time immemorial. Yeah. Say the scriptures say like that, the scriptures say like that. And people had their various interpretations. But during the time of Shankaracharya, it was not just these type of people cashing on people's innocent minds, but great thinkers, philosophers also had various interpretations of the Gita according to their own whims and fancies or the preferences and liking. And has continued even till now. Because Bhagavad Gita is so vast in its implications. So deep in its treasures that really speaking, you can extract anything out of it. Hmm? Just anything. That's the beauty of the Bhagavad Gita. Yet, we have to know what was the intention of Sri Krishna hmm? in expounding the Gita to Arjuna and through Arjuna to all seekers of Generations to come. What is it that he wants? For that, we do not have to have a preferential commentary according to what ideologies we want to propagate. But he clearly writes that the purpose of this commentary is that with proper understanding, discrimination, with Viveka, we have to study these scriptures. Not with sentiments, not with belief, not by some blind faith, not sometimes by just literally just reading it. And very often as we do even now, yeah, and you will see that even you will be doing it. 
Yeah. When it comes to others, did not the Bhagavad Gita say do your duty? Like when your son wants to become a brahmachari, didn't the Bhagavad Gita say that you should be doing your duty? And don't you have your duty towards your family and parents, etc.? So also the Bhagavad Gita says that you also have a duty towards society. Are you doing it? When it comes to others, we will interpret it that way. But Gita says, no, do your duty. Therefore, you know, actually I'm not coming for the ashram, the Gita marathon camp because I'm doing my duty. And what is your duty? Watching television. I'm applying it for you. But can you imagine how people interpret? Scriptures are not meant for interpretation. There's a methodology of studying it, knowing its true import. Yeah. Understanding its central theme and its instructions. And mind you, when the scripture is so vast, sometimes we just get lost in the poetry of it. Sometimes we get lost in something that we want to see or it appeals to us. We don't take the scripture, what appeals to us and what doesn't appeal to us, we reject it. Ardhajari it is called, no? The logic of half young, half old. Can you say, this woman is so young from above her waist and old from below her waist. Uh, these days it is possible with all those facelifts and all that. But you're old or you are young. You can't be half old and half young. It's got, I mean, in logic, you have that, you know. I'm putting in very simple words, but just for you to understand that how Shankaracharya, how Gurudev have expounded the Gita, not according to their whims and fancies and ideologies and favorite theories, etc. Shankaracharya has so precisely and his precisiveness is just amazing. In the introduction of the Bhagavad Gita, he first points out that I write this bhashya, this commentary, which should be studied with viveka, with discrimination and proper understanding. And therefore, true to the spirit of the Gita, when Gurudev went around speaking on the Gita, and you'll find every Chinmaya Mission Swami always after a couple of sentences keeps repeating, isn't it? Not just to get your confirmation that do you understand and you agree with it? And therefore he said, you don't come here just because you want to be with me. You don't come here because the Mahatma says so and therefore I must believe. He says, in Vedanta you rub your intellect with the intellect of the Guru so that the sparks of knowledge can rise from the two intellects 
rubbing with each other. This is how Gurudev used to explain it, what Shankaracharya has said in that one word, Viveka. That has to be studied properly, systematically. And it's true import only when we understand can we live and can we experience. This is what Bhagwan Shankaracharya points out. And let us know a little bit of the traditional also. And Gurudev has followed that. I'll show you just to give you a comparison so that you understand that when we are speaking in English without the bhashyas, which will take so long, that it is the bhashyas only that, uh, that Gurudev explained to modern man in such simple words, applying it with examples of his times. And obviously in his time, there were not these cell phones or tablets. So today we'll have to apply it with cell phones and tablets also. Hmm? And nothing original is there, but it's the style in which it is presented as Gurudev would say. And just because it was in English doesn't mean he was so precise himself and Shankaracharya's precision. And to understand what is the theme of the Gita, as we'll explain how Gurudev explained it, Shankaracharya's points from the Vedic traditional standpoint that when the Lord created the world. It was created with two types of beings themselves. First, he created those beings who would propagate and spread the population in the world. So, propagate the universe continue the universe. Such as the Prajapati, Marichi, etc. Those type of beings. Now those who are familiar with the Puranas will understand. What I'm trying to say is, basically is that two types of beings were created. And for them, for those type of beings who had desires as well as in them, because of their desires, a spirit of activity who were pravritti oriented, means action oriented, for them was given the path of pravritti, the path of action. And through that, they could propagate themselves and they would attain prosperity. And for the world to sustain itself, to give them was given the knowledge of how to live in this world, which is called as Dharma. And for those who were like Sanak, Sanadan, etc., these types of beings that were created, those who are of pure mind and therefore of brilliant intellect, those who could observe and understand the nature of things and therefore the nature of the world, those who had the capacity to discriminate 
and know that everything in this world is constantly changing and therefore in this ever changing world nothing permanent is possible and therefore they will find no interest in any achievement of this world those of nivritti mark they were given the knowledge of sanyas of renunciation who wanted nothing of this world but liberation and infinitude to them those beings and therefore to propagate this dharma bhagwan took avatar and he points out very beautifully which shri krishna points out in the fourth chapter himself like you can see how shankaracharya has summarized the entire knowledge of the bhagavad gita to make us know what is being what the content that eternally there are two types of beings some evolved some evolving two types of being for those who are evolving for them is the path of action and for those who have evolved to discover their own capacity of discrimination and can understand the nature of the world and can also intuit that there could be something permanent and those who want to seek that and that alone for both of them bhagwan gave the path the path of dharma but over period of time and we can see every generation will say that during our time what it was while you are while you are living in the span of 85 years hopefully nobody is more than that here the span of 85 years hasn't any elderly person not made this comment that how things have changed how things have deteriorated and why does it deteriorate we have seen in our life span itself oh when we were young also they used to say the same thing now when we are little older we are saying the same thing but in our own lifetime we are seeing the deterioration isn't it have we even paused a moment to recognize why this deterioration takes place Shankaracharya summarizes when there is false pride means arrogance ego and from that when one lives such arrogant selfish desire full life of aggrandizing and sheer pleasures then that knowledge of 
dharma not lived by people and with having no role models in our life that knowledge declines and what is that dharma so beautifully he says we will elaborate this as we go on no he defines dharma what is dharma he says that which is abhyudaya nishreyasa hetu which is the cause of abhyudaya prosperity in this world and which also gives us nishreya hmm? that is the absolute peace bliss liberation realization or godhood hmm? that which provides us both yeah a means to live in this world and attain prosperity as anishavasi upanishad said very beautifully through the path of action you go beyond the sufferings of the world very simply put and by the path of renunciation and knowledge you attain immortality so beautifully pointed out that which gives you prosperity in this world that which sustains this world by bringing harmony amongst people unity amongst people and along with all that that gives you that peace and serenity that is called as dharma and when after long period of time what long period of the short period of time we are seeing it right but long period of time this uh, declines out of sheer love hmm? that all pervading truth reality vishnu yeah who resides in the hearts of everyone and which is the final goal that everyone aspires for knowingly or unknowingly that narayana out of his sheer love manifests himself to protect those who live dharma because only those who live dharma can dharma be propagated which dharma which the vedas have given us hmm? a complete culture based on varna and ashram i will not translate it into english because there are so many false connotations that living which is based on your vocation based on your aptitude based on your inclinations and your temperament varna your special kala hmm? your special temperament according to that varna and your stage of life hmm? whether you are student when you are in your family life 
when in your retired life and if you choose to live a life of complete spirituality. In all these stages of your life, that culture which has provided you a means to live this dharma, when that declines, Bhagwan comes to protect those who could be in any of these living dharma to protect them and to propagate this dharma. To revive this dharma again, Bhagwan takes avatar. And for that, Bhagwan made Arjuna his instrument. Bhagavad Gita would fall as just a mere philosophy of life if it did not have hmm, the complete, beautiful jewelry, hmm, or say, no, the, um, if it was not embedded in the beautiful casing of the Mahabharata. Bhagavad Gita comes almost in the center of the Mahabharata. It came in the center of the two armies. Just as when you have a beautiful, nice solitaire, big one, when you have that solitaire, You know, if you just see a diamond like that, it shines. But when you put it in a ring or in a pendant, yeah, somehow it becomes more, even though really speaking it's a priceless jewel, it looks more enriched. It looks more beautiful. It stands out. And the genius Srived Vyasa, who wrote the Mahabharata according to the time, that crucial period of time where dharma has declined to such an extent that one's own kith and kin would start killing each other and where the very foundation of dharma where women itself have been mistreated at such time Bhagwan has taken avatar to show the right way and embedded in the Mahabharata Bhagavad Gita stands out and if the Bhagavad Gita was not there Mahabharata would just be a historical encounter of a very bloody war that shook the whole world, whose impact was felt as far as Persia, because you find in the historical books of Persia. Such a mighty war that took place in the sacred land of Bharat. That is where we find the Bhagavad Gita embedded. So that when we face the battles of our life, when we face the challenges of our life and situations of our life, 
we have the charioteer of Arjuna maneuvering the chariot of our life to reach our destination. And that is what this Bhagavad Gita is all about. And where Shankaracharya explains that it is to point out to us that dharma by which through actions we purify ourselves and with knowledge we realize the truth. He summarized it so beautifully so that we get completely understanding of what this is. And Gurudev explained very beautifully. If you're still not ready, then go back to the world. Let the world kick you, drop you. That's the only way to remove the South Pole and the North Pole. So this is how Gurudev explained the Bhagavad Gita. And we shall share it with you. In these uh, few weeks uh, and this marathon, which unlike other marathon, tires you, will only revive you. As it revived Arjuna from his uh, absolutely tushnim, no? his absolutely depressed, dejected, despondent state to rise up as a mighty heroic warrior of his time, not just to fight battles, but to create history and set an example for generations to come. This knowledge could do this for Arjuna, it can certainly do for us. So this is what the Gita Marathon is going to be all about. And I welcome you here in this abode of Pujya Gurudev, where every brick has not passed into the building without his glance. I used to watch him. Everything that was constructed, he would stand there and watch the laborers make it. Every grain of soil here. And of course, those also which you have imported from outside means you were brought on in your feet. Touched by it are sanctified. Every grain of soil here has what you call in Hanuman Chalisa Shri Guru Charana Saroja Raja. Like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he went to Vrindavan, he just started rolling in the soil, because it's that soil which had Krishna's feet touching. This is the soil which has everywhere, not just out of after centuries, but in the century of his life, every grain of sand, every grain of soil here has his, the touch of his lotus feet. Every place has got his glance on it. 
and now that he abides here only siddhabhari ki bhumi mein nitya viraje guru hamare so we have come to abide with him thank you for tuning in to this episode by the chinmaya mission if you like what you hear please consider subscribing if you're looking for exceptional and detailed content on the bhagavad gita and how lord krishna's advice to arjuna is relevant to the hurdles you face today or understanding your mind or explanations on hindu scriptures in easy to understand english the chinmaya mission youtube channel is the place to be all links are in the description